0: Amen. Thank you, Kevin. And thank you, worship team, for leading us in that. And thank you for coming on Labor Day weekend. Yeah, you guys get extra points for that. Uh, That's the good news. The bad news is the points don't matter. But, you know, um, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you found yourself here this morning. My name is Greg Petersheim, and the executive pastor of discipleship. Uh, Tim is off today, and so we're yet to spend some time together here today. And I, I'm looking forward to this morning. I'm looking forward to sharing with you uh, this morning, and looking forward to time together. If you're listening online, thank you for uh, joining and participating in that way as well. Well, I don't know about you, but I, I get kind of excited when the weather starts changing a little bit and you get those cool. At temperatures. I don't know, is anyone, am I the only one? But man, I'm just loving the, the cooler temperatures. And for me, it's just like, oh man, fall is coming. Finally, it's, fall is coming. And fall is an exciting time. You have the, the fairs, you have the festivals, you have just the, the nice, cooler weather, the, the fall, the beautifulness of, of fall. And I just, I, I do love the season of fall also because Christmas is not part of it. And so there's just these things that we just, you know, love about fall. And one of the things I really enjoy about fall is just being able to sit around a campfire with friends in the evening and you have that cool air and you just get to sit there and there's something mesmerizing about a fire going and, and just to be able to share life and just the guards are down and you just be able to spend this time Together, and, and I don't know about you, but usually I find that, that inevitably there's one person or maybe even two that kind of evolve as, as what we would call like a natural storyteller. And they just, they they seem to be able to tell events in such a way that is extremely engaging. Like it could be the worst story, the most boring story, the story you might even heard before, but they have a way to kind of just engage you. They have a way to kind of just tell the story and they have a way to kind of create tension and kind of like a cliffhanger that you're not quite sure what's going to happen. And they have this way to connect us. And we all love, we all love a good story, don't we? Whether it be in the movies, when you're watching a movie and then there's all this stuff happening, or whether it's even just simply a TV show that you like to follow, we love to hear and we love the drama of a good story. It connects with us. There's something about a good story that we just seem to really connect with. And we're on the edge of seekers. We're not quite sure what's going to happen. We're not sure how the story is going to end, but we're just drawn in. And stories have the way of doing that with us. They have the way of connecting us in a special way. A good, powerful story does that to us. It connects us. It also helps us make sense of life, makes sense of the world and the surroundings that we're in. And, and it helps us kind of engage with that maybe in a different way. And it just it helps us make sense of things. And, and even really the Bible itself um, while we believe it is the Word of God, and we find life in the Word of God, but it really, it's, it really is a collection of stories. It's really a collection of stories of how God has interacted with His people. And through these stories, we, we find out more, and it teaches us who God is, and we understand who God is because of the stories that we read in the Bible. We also find out about who we are through the stories of the Bible. We find out that, you know, we are sinners. We're all falling short. We're all in that category. And it's only through Jesus Christ that we're saved. We find that in the words and the stories of the Bible. And we also, the Bible and the stories of the Bible, help us make sense of life, doesn't it? It helps us understand the, the turmoils, the things we go through. It gives a perspective of life that we value and that we understand as true. And it's all found... In the stories of the Bible. And Jesus, even Jesus himself, used stories to be able to, to communicate to people here on earth while he was here. He used them to, to be able to um, just teach complex things that, that, we, that, especially the disciples, had no idea what he was talking about, but he would use stories as a way to teach. And we would call them parables if you grew up uh, in the church. But he used, Jesus himself used stories. And so this morning I would invite us to, I want to turn to uh, Matthew 25, 14 through 30. This is the text for this morning. And if you have a a Bible, uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the bench in front of you. You can feel free to use that. If you don't have one at all, feel free to take that home. That's our gift to you. Uh, But this morning we'll be looking at Matthew 25, 14 through 30, and it's a, a story that uh, Matthew records, and Matthew would be one of the disciples that walked with Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we read the Gospels, we read their stories of what Jesus did, and here's a story, basically, of a story, if you will. And so, just to set the stage here a little bit of what's, before we get into this uh, Matthew uh, 25, 14, just to set the stage of where we're at, this is literally days before he is crucified. This is literally the week of, um, so this is the end of his ministry here. And he's starting to kind of prep his disciples, and they're not really grasping it, and we, I don't really blame them, the, uh, that he's going to be leaving. He's going to be going. And, and so they're really confused and they're kind of like, you know, what's the, you say you're going to come back about again and what's the signs of the time? What's it going to be like? like we, help us understand this. And so he goes through a section of just telling stories to try to help them understand a little bit. And quite honestly, they probably didn't, but at least we are able to look at it from hindsight and say, okay, this makes sense in a different way. But basically he was telling them stories of, hey, it's going to come like a thief in the night. You know, we, no man knows the hour of the day. He's going to, when he comes back, you weren't, it's like a thief in the night. Or, and always be ready, always be prepared, always have oil in your lamp, and be ready for the, the bridegroom to return. And he's telling his story about the foolish ones that weren't, they didn't prepare, and they weren't ready for the time. And when it came, they, they were trying to go out and get oil, but they couldn't. So he's, he's framing up this, this urgency of being prepared and being ready um, and always being ready. And then he gets to this parable, and depending on what version of the Bible you're reading, it's either the parable of the talents, um, or it's the parable, parable of the bag of gold. Either, either I'll be reading for the version that talks about the bags of gold. And, and so I want to read that section here today, and then we want to kind of pull out some principles and some filters from that and some applications. So that's where we're headed here today. So let's jump in. Matthew 25, starting at verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on along his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gave five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold came "...gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. "'Master,' he said, "'you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more.'" your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you... Notice, notice there's, a, there's a plot twist here. There's a change here. I knew that, that you... He's, he's actually blaming God for his action here. We're not going to go into this kind of little sidebar here, but notice he's, he's actually blaming God. I know that you are a hard man harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid. I went out and I hid your golden ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Notice this is in a question. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed? Even though we know that these This is not true of God and the Master. It's an interesting way that he responded to this on truth. It wasn't like he was going, I want to prove you wrong. It was almost more of a, for the sake of argument. Did you ever have those kind of discussions where it's like, you know what? Let's just pretend you're right. Let's just go there for a minute and say that you're right. For the sake of argument. Um, let's say that 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 was true. So then the master goes on. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Feel encouraged? Yeah, it's not the happy ending that stories are supposed to have, right? It's not the happy ending. It's almost like watching Avengers, you know? It's like half the people die. It's like, how does this work? What the world is going on? I mean, anything, only a couple of you watch that apparently. Anyway, the, um, yeah, but the, you know, it's not that happy ending story that we look at. But there are, there are three principles. There's a lot of principles that we can take from this story that Jesus told. But there are three uh, principles that I kind of want to highlight here this morning. And I, I, would, I would invite you to use them basically almost like a filter for the things that you see that God has given you, and to be able to use them as a filter and kind of to run through and say, am I, am I on the right direction? Is my heart at the right place? Am I viewing these things in the right way? And the first thing that I would like to bring out is noticing who is responsible for what, and what roles are the, mas- the masters, And what role is the servants? And what are those roles? Because I think sometimes we get a little mixed up when we start confusing those roles. When we start thinking, all right, well, I need to do some things that really it's the role of the master. Or we start thinking about, well, you know, things aren't happening for me. And the reality is it's really our role to be stepping into those things. And so the, the, the truth of this story brings out, the principle of this brings out, that it is God himself who gives according to our abilities. He's the one that judges that. He's the one that gives to us. He's the one that allows things into our lives. He's the one who gives us the blessings. He's the one who does that. We are the ones who take those blessings and steward them well. We invest them. We are to grow them. We are to use them for His glory. We are, the, we are responsible to handle the blessings He's given us not, and sometimes I think we get confused, and we try to create the blessing ourselves and find the blessing ourselves. But the reality is, it is the master who gives the blessings. It's the master who gives the talents, the bags of gold, and we are to then take that and invest it and steward that well. The second principle that I want to bring out, or a filter that I would like to for you to think through a little bit, is the idea of comparison. The idea that it's so easy when we, when we think and we, we kind of get into this pity parties and say, well, you know, that person has five bags of gold. If I had five bags of gold, I would be as generous. I would do those things too. I would, I would do that, but I don't. I only have one. And we get into these, this comparison trap. And I think the, what this Scripture and this story brings out, again, is just the idea that, that, we are, that the quantity of what he's given us and allowed in our lives the quantity is really irrelevant it really the, the expectation is still the same the expectation on the servants were the same regardless of what was given to them and sometimes we get into this comparison um, traps with that you know and we all do it it's, it comes very naturally but I think we want to apply that filter if you will to that, to make sure that our hearts are in the right place. You know, we can always look, and, and, and we all can. You know, I can look at Ben and say, man, he's, he's a better musician than me. He can sing a lot higher than me and most human beings. But, you know, it's just not fair, you know. It's like, man, if I had that kind of talent, yeah, I, could, I would be that good too. You know, but no, we, we, I, I need to recognize the talent that God's given me and use that to my best ability. That's, that's my responsibility, not to get more talent from, from God. So um, this comparison filter. And then the third filter that I want to encourage us to, to think about here is the accountability. This, the, the stark reality that one day we will stand before our master. One day we will stand there and we will have to give an account for what he has given us in our life and what he has provided for us in life and and what did we do with it how did we invest it and it's a sobering reality it is for all of us but it is a reality that we can't run from that we will be held accountable for the blessings that he's allowed into our lives and how we stewarded them how we grew them how we invested them how we shared them and so many times when we think about This idea of stewardship or the parable of the talents, uh, the bag of gold. So many times when we hear this story, I know for myself, I always kind of went to to similar things. I always went to to money, to finances, to, okay, God, you'll provide, and then my job is to steward. Might go to literally talents of, yeah, what gifts and abilities have you provided to me? And how do I use them? How do I invest them? How do I learn to be better at them? How do I grow them? So I look at those kind of things. Or might even look at time. You know, what God has allowed us time. We are here now. And how am I investing my time? Am I just sitting on the couch? Am I do, you know, What am I doing that and with the time, the, the blessing that God has given to me? Uh, We can look at family, you know, he's provided a family, so how do I steward that well? How do I lead my kids well? How do I lead the family well? And these are all good things that we can apply and and write things to apply to this principle, Um, these principles of who's responsible for what, the comparisons, and the accountability. But this morning I would like to invite you to take a little bit of a plot twist And view the something that I'm wondering how many of you um, ever thought of it this way. And for me, quite honestly, I've been I was brought up in the church. I've you know 47 years of of faith, if you will, um, around faith, and I I never really applied it this area of my life until about a month or two ago. And um, it was awakening to me, and and I hope to you as well here this morning. And that is that God has blessed each one of us. God has given something to each one of us that we need to run through these filters and we need to invest in. And that is our story. That is our experiences. That is the things that He has allowed into our lives, good and bad. And here at Grace Point, we do um, have, it's our tagline, it's our, you know, it's on our t-shirts, it's, you know, it's on our website, but we do believe this, that every story matters. Not just the stories in God's Word, but the stories in this room, the stories that we all have, the stories um, of, that are just varied of how we see God interacting in your life. And so I'd like to, this morning, kind of walk through those filters with the idea of and encourage you to think of how am I investing my story? How I've seen God in my life. How am I investing that? How am I stewarding that? How am I even aware of that? Sometimes I think that can kind of just happen on the side and you're not even consciously aware of it. But how am I looking at what God has allowed into my life So the first filter is that filter of responsibilities. You know, what am I responsible for? What is God responsible for when I look at the story of my life? And what He's responsible for is He allows and He gives things and situations and experiences into our lives. And sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. Sometimes they're not what we want or we think they're bad. They're good in the end because of what He's doing. But they're things that we wouldn't necessarily choose and our responsibility, as servants, our responsibility is to take those experiences, those stories, and to make sure that we invest them, to make sure that we learn from them, to make sure that we share them, good and bad, with others, to make sure that we just don't let that slide by, that that's not that important, my story isn't that important, but that we actually engage in them and learn and invest and grow those stories. For those of you that, that know me well, you know that I'm, in a, I'm walking through a season of, of grief with losing my spouse five months ago. And for me, I'm in a season of wanting to steward that well. And that came to me only about a month or two ago, that, I need, I have a, that, that God is asking me to steward that well. To not just push that aside, but to actually dive in and try to understand grief at different levels that I've... I could not understand from just an intellectual book level of things but that I can understand now because I'm experiencing it and he's allowed it into my life and so that is my responsibility to not turn bitter not turn angry but to to allow that and say okay God what are you teaching and the same is true with you the same is true with you this whatever he is allowing whether it be blessings or whether it be struggles I encourage you to to look through what is His responsibility and let Him control those things and look at what your responsibilities are and control those and steward them well. The second filter is comparisons. And I think when we we talk about our life stories, I think uh, especially somebody like myself who grew up in the church, it's like, I don't have that great of a faith story. I wasn't a drug dealer. I wasn't far from God. I wasn't, you know, a terrible person, you know, by, you know, earthly standards. And, you know, there was no big conversion that all of a sudden I turned my life around. And, man, I can give my testimony and you are just going to be so overwhelmed. And it's just going to be so amazing that you can see how God has transformed my life. It's like, man, I didn't get like a one-talent story. And, man, it'd be, you know, if I had a five-talent story, well, then maybe I'd share it. But I don't. And, And we have that tendency to get out the shovel on our faith stories when it comes to sharing it with others because we don't feel like we have a great story and we want to get that shovel out and we want to just bury it because it's not as good as somebody else's story in our mind. And that's a lie, basically. I'm just going to call it out what it is. Your story matters. that Your story, whether you feel it's big, whether it's small, connects with people. You have, each one of us, have been given a story you have a story. God is doing things in your life now. God has done things in your life that needs to be shared with other people. It needs to be invested. So I encourage you to embrace your story, to not push it away, not try to hide from it, not try to run from it, but embrace the story that God has given you, the season that you have. And you might be in in a... uh, a season where there's cliffhangers, where there's all kinds of plot twists, where there's all kinds of tensions. There's all kinds of um, unresolved things happening in your life. And, and I've spoken to some people that, that have seen God in their story. And I've asked them to share their story. And they were like, well, it's not resolved yet. Like, I don't, I don't know where it's going to end up. I don't know the happy ending or not happy ending. I don't know where it's. So once, once it's resolved, then, then maybe I'll share the story. But no, we are all in seasons of of stories that are chapters that are still being written. So I encourage you, even in the midst of that, and sometimes there's even greater connection with people to be able to say, I don't know how this story ends. I don't know how this season ends in my life. But I want to show you how I'm seeing God in the midst of it. I'm seeing God happening, and I can't explain it but he's there. And those are powerful because they connect because it's not like, oh, well everything's always rosy with you, so I can't connect with you. But that we don't get into that trap of comparison. Share your story. And the third filter is this filter of accountability. This filter of, am I stewarding? And the challenge to you today is, are you stewarding your story well? Are you investing your story well? Or are you digging it into a hole? Am I sh- are you sharing your story? Psalm 145.14 says, One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. Um, one of the, uh, I think maybe most, I don't know if it's most humbling, but it's one very humbling uh, realities of, that we read in the stories of, of the Old Testament is how the Israelites, God's people, would be close to him, he would deliver them, and he would be in his great place, and then they would fall and worship other gods, and they would turn away. And we see this cycle happen, and the stories of the Bible reveal a lot about us in those things. Uh, but one of the starkest ones, I think, that's recorded is, is Joshua and the generation that he led. And these were, this was a generation that literally was in the desert, was born in the desert place, and literally was given the promised land. Literally, walls came down. Literally, they moved into houses they didn't build. They were able to harvest crops that they did not plant. The amazing stories of God's gift and blessing to the Israelites. But the sobering reality is we read that when Joshua died, and when all of his generation died, and Judges... 2.10 says another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he has done for Israel. This to me underscores the importance of you telling your story, especially if you're older. We want to hear those stories of your life, of how you've seen faith. We want to see those stories of how and hear those stories of how God is moving in your life for all of us. Share them with your children. Share them with your friends. Share them with strangers. (laughs) But how you've seen God so that the next generation doesn't grow up and not know their God and not know the deliverance that God brings or the, the provision that God brings into our lives. Stories help us connect to God. Stories help us see who God really is. Stories also help us connect us to ourselves. We see ourselves as we really are in certain situations, and we also can relate to others in that way. And stories help us connect to each other, and they also help us connect and make sense of the world that we live in especially when you have those shared stories. About in 1994, we had the opportunity, my wife and I had the opportunity, still, we still had two kids at that time, two small kids, and my wife's car finally went on to be in a better place, the junkyard. And we were looking for a new vehicle, a different vehicle. Now, in 1994 was a tremendous opportunity that will never be... Happen again in the history of automaking. Maybe not quite that big, but I'm trying to tell a story. The uh, so bear with me. In 1994, you were able to buy a brand new 1995. Yeah, they released it early, so it's like a free like half year. Like you know, they were they were releasing a 1995 brand new model of a car that was nothing that you've seen before. It had cab forward design. I don't know what it meant, but it had it. It had a CD player built into it. Like, you didn't have to add one later. For kids, you don't even know a CD player. But anyway, you actually, you know, it was already built in. The thing was amazing. And and actually, was only like $11,000 new, brand new. So we bought this brand new car. First time we ever bought a brand new car. Honestly, it's the last time I ever brought a brand new car. Different story. But that's, uh, um, we were able to get this car, and we knew that we had something that no one else had. We were unique. We had this new design, this new car that no one else had, and it was cool. It was awesome. It was 1994. It was, it was a 1995 Dodge Neon. That's right. Fist bump, man up, is coming up, yeah. Come on, yeah. I think we actually paid $11,200 because we got the sport package. Yeah, it had a pinstripe on it. <laughs> that was the sport package. Um, yeah, it, it really, um, I think the motor was optional. Like you could either use your lawnmower motor if you wanted to, or they had a rubber band that you could wrap up and that powered it. It was very economical. But yeah, it, it was a great car for us. But you know what happened once we got that car? We saw them everywhere. Did you ever do that? You buy something and all of a sudden it's like, you know, you think it's unique. And all of a sudden it's like, there's one, there's one, oh there's one, there's one, there's one. That happened to us as well. We're like, we thought we had something. It was, it was a year earlier than when they released it. And we still, they were everywhere. The same is true with our stories, guys. There are things that you're going through that you think you're the only one going through. And once you take that step and you share that story, all of a sudden you see all around you people who are going through the same thing. For me, for my story at this point, it is grief. And it can be very isolating. Grief can be extremely isolating. Grief can be very pin-you-in-the-corner kind of thing. But I found that if I share that where I'm at, all of a sudden I feel connected to almost really everybody, to be honest, because we all grieve things. It might not be the loss of a spouse or a child. It might not be that dramatic, but it might be the loss of a dream. It might be the loss of something that you were really hoping for and looking for, and this was going to happen, and you realize that, you know what, that might never happen. And that's grief as well. And, and once we share these stories, all of a sudden we find a connection there with others. And, and man, I'm going to call you out a little bit this morning because we have man up coming up around the corner here. You might feel um, that your struggles, and I'm going to call one out, your struggles of pornography is just you, that you're the only one struggling with that. And I can guarantee you, as you share that in a safe place, you're going to find out that uh, you have a lot of other people walking the same journey with you that might be walking it for 20 years or so and still struggling to find victory over it. But it's when we share that story is when that freedom comes and that connection comes with other people. And that's a great opportunity. Also, just to be equal, I'm not going to you know, go that deep on, on women, but just the, the idea that you guys have a Bible study coming up, and it's really the stories of the Bible um, and how you're going to be able to connect with that. So that's also in your program um, as a way to connect. But the stories of our life, they help us connect with each other in ways that are powerful and ways that are needed in a good, healthy, strong community. The Bible is full of stories that help us see more clearly, more accurately, who our God is. The Bible and the stories that are in this book help us see with clear eyes, really, who we are as broken people, people who need Jesus Christ. And the stories in the Bible help us see the world around us, help us make sense of the confusion that is around us a lot of times, helps us understand that these stories do all those things for us. And your story, your story, your story, your story, your story, your story, all of our stories do the same thing. They reveal who God is. They reveal who we are. And they help us make sense of the world around us. So take your story. I encourage you to take your story. Don't get a shovel and bury it. Don't compare it. Recognize who is responsible for what in your story. And steward your story well. Because every story matters. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the story that you have written in our life. The stories that are present in this room, God, I thank you so much for them. I thank you for being a God who is alive and active in our lives. And and even though there are our stories, many of our stories are are not fully written or we're not It's a clean chapter break uh, to go into another chapter, that we're in the middle of this cliffhanger so many times, this tension. I pray that you give us the courage, Lord, to step in, to invest our story, to steward our story, to share our story openly, honestly, to give you the glory of the things that you're doing in our story, to recognize the amazing grace that while we're sinners, while we're broken people, while we we often fall. We often fall short. That your grace is there to lift us up. Your peace is there. Your love is there to lift us up. And Lord, we know that one day we will be accountable. We will stand before you and we will have to give an account of the story of our life to you. And, Lord, I pray that each one of us can stand boldly before you and say, God, thank you so much for the story of my life, the story that you allowed, the story, the ups and the downs, the hard times, the good, the bad, the ugly. Lord, those things that that we just struggled with, but that your grace was there, your provisions were there, your peace was there in ways that we can't comprehend. Lord, thank you for that amazing grace. Thank you for that grace that reaches in, grabs us and lifts us up, that strengthens us for the next day. Thank you, Lord, for being an awesome God and writing our story.